What up, what up? Happy Friday. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast, the Nesson After Hours Podcast presented by People's United Bank. In your ears is the voice of Emerson Lazio. That's me. That is Celie Godwin. Celie, hello, say hello, something. Hello, hello, hello. By the yes. way, you can sing beautifully. You sound like a cross between Jesus and Fergie. <laughs> oh, don't get ahead of yourself. It's only the beginning. It's only just begun. Okay, so thank you everyone for downloading this podcast and putting up with me and listening to Celie. Sealy, would you like to tease everyone? <laughs> would you like to tease everyone at home and let them know what we have coming up here in the next 20, 30, 40 minutes, however long we go? Yeah, uh, we got Blake Snell going off on Twitch about why he does not want to return to baseball. Basically, pay him, yeah. pay him well, and he'll perfect, return. Perfect platform to uh, share your thoughts on uh, Twitch. These days, man. Zoom, Twitch, it's, you know, it's all good. Yep. Uh, we also got a last dance preview. We got J.A. Adande of ESPN. He was on After Hours, the show, on Thursday night, and he gave us so many great behind-the-scenes stories talking about his days covering MJ with the Barons, as well as some stuff with – he was filming Space Jam, which I love that movie. I still love that movie. I know. I don't care Um, what LeBron James does, by the way. MJ's will always be better. That's it. Always. Uh, Also, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Will you want to see a round three old man style? Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to big beefy bros. We're going to talk about that as well. And then we'll finish off with a rich person doing rich person like <laughs> things by winning a date with Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to have quarantine thoughts cool. and why you should never light an expensive candle. Oh, yes. You will hear about that if you are married, gentlemen. Or maybe it's the guy in the relationship who's the candle person. Anyway. <laughs> Let's start. <laughs> let's start with something that is in the news that popped up. People are talking about it because everybody wants baseball right now, Sealy. Everybody yeah. wants live sports and baseball, the league, the players association, they're negotiating right now. They're trying to come to an agreement on return to play terms. It is going to be, I think, very difficult to meet in the middle. And then you have Blake Snell as you teased off the top. The man is passionate. He's a former Cy Young winner. And he saying on Twitch, on Twitch, he's on there playing a video game. Fans are asking him what his thoughts are with the whole situation. And this was his passionate answer. Bro, y'all got to understand, too, because y'all going to be like, bro, Blake, play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. Bro, I'm risking my life. What do you mean it should not be a thing? It 100% should be a thing. If I'm going to play, I should be getting money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. So I'm really getting like 25%. On top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making the play. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so Blake Snell not holding back at all. I can't say I really disagree with them. Uh, Before I dive into my thoughts, I'd like to hear what you think and after you saw that clip, after you listened to the clip rather. Uh, yeah, I, I saw it and I heard it. Um, I think he has every right to feel the way he does, sure. which is not a sexy take. I'm sorry. But I also understand the flack that he's getting because to the general public, all you're seeing is millionaires fighting with billionaires with a mm-hmm. B. Um, and there's, there, there's a lot of people struggling right now. So they're, they're not really giving them much sympathy in all of this. Um, but I, I think it's because there's a lot of people who struggle to see athletes as normal human beings who earned that money from years and years of hard work and sacrifice. Um, 
yeah, I, I think he's entitled to his opinion. It's hard for me to put myself in his shoes because I'm not in his shoes. Mm-hmm. I can understand how he feels, and, and oh, that's yeah. totally fine. Absolutely, and I, I love how the guy sticks to his guns. That's his thought. That's his passion, and I like how he just – didn't hold back at all and you do have to kind of think about putting yourself in your in his shoes you have to think about the everyday american i know many people are out of work many people are struggling but think about it with your job if you have that contract no matter what industry or business you're in yes you signed the contract the number's there you agreed you had an agreement from the get-go this is the amount of money you are going to be making also he is right you are putting your life at risk here which is why they haven't even brought up the money according to reports and the negotiations between the two sides. They started with safety because in the end, that is what is most. That's the uh, biggest thing that everybody wants. It is. It's very true, which is also to me, I think it's going to be much more difficult to actually come up with a proper game plan. Right now it's idea after idea after idea. They don't necessarily have a plan right now. So yes, he is nervous. He is a little nervous, as are many of the other athletes out there. But you have some of them coming out and saying, like Bryce Harper and Nolan Arenado, he made a lot of good points. He has the support of his players around the league. They all yep. get it. Yep. And, I mean, you also got to think about the guys who aren't making that much money. Obviously, those three players that we just listed are guys that just signed massive Contracts. Oh God. Yeah. What was Harper's 300, 400 million, something insane like that. Incredible. Um, I mean, these are, you know, millions and millions of dollars that we're talking about, but the problem that these players are starting to have is that they already agreed to take a pay cut and then you're asking them to take another pay cut and then another pay cut. It's, it's like they've already agreed to something and they're going back on their word. My biggest issue with all of this is that negotiations get ugly and they get ugly normally behind closed doors. It's, this is all coming out in the public. So how is it coming out in the public? How, how are those reports getting out there? Because nobody likes negotiations aired to everybody else because you're gonna make someone look bad and you're using it to kind of get your way. That's not cool. And yeah. I, I understand that journalists have to do their jobs and they have to report things, but also you need to look at why is someone telling me this information what is their end goal are they trying to make this person look like the bad guy yeah and cincinnati reds pitcher trevor bauer said something similar i mean he he agreed um he and arenado actually said this that negotiations should be kept private and players shouldn't be hearing all of this crap what the owners are saying and their proposals through the media so it, it is ugly and to be honest i don't think in my opinion, I don't think they're going to come to an agreement. I think the season is going to end up being lost. I think it'll be the first lost season in Major League Baseball history. I do not want that to happen, but I think there's just so much that goes into this. And every day, something new pops up. We learn something new about the coronavirus, and you have people splitting. Do I want to wait until there's a vaccine? Do we just say F it and go out there and think because it's such a small percentage of people yeah. who are dying who get it? So it's just like – to me, this is messy, and people are hammering Snell right now because back in March, he says, hey, you know, it is what it is. If I get it, I get it. Well, stop hammering him because of that because we've learned so damn much about the yeah. virus in the past two months. Like, it's okay to change your opinion exactly. after you've learned a little more about the topic at hand that is so new to all of us, even the scientists and health experts out there. Yeah, I'm – you got to give it to him for one coming out and saying, this is how I feel. And I learned X, Y, and Z, and this is why I'm changing my stance. That 
takes a big person to do that, to admit that they're wrong or that their, their opinion has changed. Not everybody can do that. Um, and if there isn't tests available or there isn't a cure, the only thing that you can give these players is money. That's it. Like, that's the only safety net that they can feel at, at this point. So if you're continually taking money from them, obviously they're going to be upset. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's an ugly, ugly situation. I want to believe that we will get sports back. That's what I want to believe. That's, that's yeah. what I want to believe. I'm, it's hard. Every, every day is changing. It's just something that w- the virus will dictate. The virus will have the final say in all of this. Yeah, um, it, but negotiations are ugly. We've been in them before over yeah. our careers, obviously not negotiating this m- much money, but negotiations, man, are ugly. Yeah, at our level in our business, if I go to Ness and say, this is the number I want or else, they're going to go, okay, peace out. <laughs> they're going to pull the next DVD <laughs> I'm out. i get somebody much I'll, cheaper that's going to do your job. <laughs> right? They're going to they're gonna pull the next DVD out in the, in, the, in the good pile, as we were always told in school. Uh, but yes, I do, this, this is just going to get uglier. And the longer they draw it out, because who knows how much longer these negotiations go, two, three, four weeks, and then the players are saying, we're going to need about a month to fire back up. And then who the hell knows if it's going to be at individual stadiums or if it's going to be at one central location. Again, all ideas right now. And it annoys the hell out of me. And even um, Eckersley has said, Nesson's very own Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley, has even said, you know, it's all just every day. It's just toying with you. Eventually, the window of opportunity is going to close. So time is, is not on their side right now. In a couple of weeks, they have to come up with some type of decision or game plan. That's it. The window of opportunity is closing and is closing fast. Let's go ahead and jump into the last dance. We got the final two episodes coming up this Sunday on ESPN. We were joined by J.A. Adande of ESPN, longtime reporter with them. Um, Last night on After Hours, he came on the show and he talked in length about covering MJ, not just the basketball player, but the baseball player. It was one of his first assignments when he was a young reporter with the Washington Post. And he said it was surreal to see Michael Jordan, the six foot six, huge guy out there playing baseball. Um, And, you know, he talked about how someone of his nature, you know, they wouldn't normally be humble because of how good they are. Like they would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm very humble. No, you're not. No, you're not. But he actually was because of everything that he was going through, barely breaking 200 and getting back into a sport he hadn't done in 13, 14 years. Yeah, and if you thought just because of uh, the summer pickup games on the set of Space Jam, if you thought that that would actually douse his competitive fires burning inside his loins, yeah, you'd be wrong. Take a listen to this story here that J.A. Adonde shared with us. And one player, Don McClain, who played in the NBA for quite a while, former all-time leading scorer in the old Pac-10 conference out of UCLA, so he gets hot, hits the winning shot, game-winning shot against Michael, and it's like, okay, I got to go. And he had some business travel they had to do for the next couple of weeks, and Michael was adamant that you're coming back next week, right? No, I, I got to be somewhere. Well, you're coming back, though, right? He's like, okay, I'll, I'll come back. And then um, when he does make it back a couple of weeks later, Michael says, all right, I got McLean. And <laughs> he's like, no, you're, you're not scoring. And was just so vindictive because he had the gall to beat him in this pickup game on the Warner Brothers lot that, you know, nobody, nobody else had even seen outside of the bubble. Okay, so with what we just heard from J.A. Adande is that behind the scenes of filming Space Jam, uh, Warner Bros. W- built this huge bubble 
to let him practice and train and work Just out for him trying Imagine to get that. back into basketball. Like, he's the only person on planet Earth, Warner Brothers, to be like, yeah, sure. We'll go ahead and build you like your own little mini planet here and just have it be this badass basketball court. And it's almost like an all-star game that was it happening was. in there in these pickup games. And they were freaking ridiculously competitive. If the guy is competitive with his security guard, when it comes to tossing quarters against the wall, you think he's going to be competitive against other NBA players in a pickup game in this bubble? Hell yeah, he's going to be. No, it was super competitive. And it was just, you know, all-star players were showing up for this. And he was working out and doing this on top of filming for many, many hours and going over scripts. And I mean, I don't know when this man ate or slept, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I asked myself that question when I'm watching this entire series. And so I'm thinking about also what J.A. said when it came to, yes, him as the baseball player, as you mentioned before, the soundbite there, that he was just as competitive like oh, yeah. in baseball because we asked him, hey, so the MJ with the Birmingham Barons, was he playing it cool or was he just as competitive? And was he the trash talker that we see when he's inside a NBA locker room? He says, oh, yeah, he's the exact same guy. He brought the example of just playing ping pong in the locker room for crying out loud. The guy did not want to lose no matter what it no matter what it was, no matter if it was quarters, ping pong on the basketball court, baseball field, a pickup game during Space Jam. Uh, but we've learned that through eight episodes, and I'm excited to see what this weekend will bring. Also, the question you asked Jason Hare, the new Massachusetts native, the director, like last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, when we had him on Nest and After Hours, is episode 10 done? And it wasn't. So, like, right now, <laughs> because they did have to move this thing up. It was originally slated yeah, for, like, June, right? Yeah, and then also, just like everybody else in the world right now, you, you're moving home, and how hard it is to make that adjustment and to edit something that has so much attention, so many eyeballs, and you want to make it perfect, and you're having to do it in your home office as opposed to in a studio that is built with multiple monitors and the best editing equipment and the hard drives with all of the footage it, it, that process became infinitely times harder yeah. for for him um i mean he jason Hare. he said that he wanted to do a documentary in the future on we asked him about you know what what player would it be uh that is boston sports related you know and he he was like well most of the red Sox and the bruins and you know all the big dogs that you can think of have been done he wanted to find something that hasn't been done oil can boy that's the person he named and you're like whoa yeah wow you're right that is someone with an incredible story um yeah, and said he everything that went crack. on behind the scenes said he smoked crack the entire 1986 season that's what i'm that's when like that's i remember why. we brought we brought it up to like tom karen and tom's like yeah i don't know if he would be the one the red sox would really want someone to you no. know tell a documentary about no. and make a documentary about but yeah he was interesting it's how like for me if i had to pick like an athlete I'd probably go Tiger Woods. I know there were like, there've been like little mini stories here and there. And I think there actually is one coming up after um, that's supposed to air right after the May 24th match coming up where he it's he and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Well, but again, I'm talking yeah. like, I'm talking like 10 episodes here for Tiger yeah. Woods. That's like, that's what I want to see. I, it, it's, it's like the rise and fall, like the, the fall from grace 
because that was nothing short of just completely epic follow. And then you had the 2009 Thanksgiving incident. Then it's, you know, the back and winning the U.S. Open and the long major drought. And then coming back and winning the Masters last year, just the rise of the Phoenix, man. And the fact that most people out there, regular fans, people were thinking this guy was done. He's crap. He's a garbage human being. Now, all of a sudden, he's back on the pedestal, man. And I've always, even growing up, I loved that guy. I didn't care what happened to him in his personal life because you know what? Crap happens. It humanized him a little bit for me, but it's a great story. And I want it in a 10 docu-series. That's what I want, a 10-part docu-series. Tiger Woods, give it to me right now. Not a bad choice at, at all, Emerson. Um, I, I, you kind of were, were touching on it. You need someone who has this great character arc, the rise and the fall. You need someone who has some human elements to them, because obviously you're talking about the best athletes in the world, they almost seem superhuman. So you need to humanize them and showing their flaws and their faults and their struggles. And that's something that we've really gotten to see with this MJ doc and on the pools, you're seeing the true soul of them and, and how much some of these things weighed on them this many years after. So uh, for me, um, this will help us transition into the next topic that I want to talk about is the Patriots. And I, I know there's been documentaries done on the Patriots, but I'm talking about the true Patriot way, everything that went on with Bill Belichick, getting inside his head, the things that motivate him, the things that, you know, keep him up at night. Um, you know, he's, I just don't know how willing he would be to do this because Bill Belichick is that type of petty where he would go to his grave with all yeah. of his secrets yeah, and not I, care I about agree. how you feel about him. That's always been like, the joke a little bit of maybe when he gets out of football. I mean, that is one book. I know you're a big book reader. I uh, yes, not. I love reading. I am books. not. Yes, I need yes, to watch yes. something, and there's got to be pictures, and there's got to be like cartoons and colors and stuff <laughs> like that. But that's a book I would read. That's what everyone's waiting for. The book. What really happened behind closed doors there in Foxborough? Hell, you could give me a docu series when it comes to the Patriots just on the 2019 season alone. Everything that yes. was kind of happening in the back. Uh, was there really tension between Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels? Did Tom Brady really hate his young receivers and not trust anyone? What kind of beef really was there between Tom and Bill Belichick? I just got to hear it. Did Tom really know? Like he said on on Howard's turn, he kind of thought it was going to be his last year. He knew it going in. You know, there just seems like there's the potential for so much drama there, but it's going to take what MJ is doing right now, where there is no story off limits and he is going to give you everything that he has and he just says, ask me the question, and I'm going to be as honest as possible. And I think we're not going to get that from Bill Belichick. If we no. ever do, it's sure as hell going to be after football. He's not going to do it while oh, yeah. he's still coaching. No. He's not going to let anything distract him right now because he's still chasing rings. But maybe in 20 years, when he stepped back and he can kind of look at everything, his, whole, his work as a whole, and realize what he's done and, and realize the things that he wish he would have done or done differently – that's the stuff that I would be interested in seeing because, I mean, he's a true historian of the game. Yeah. I mean, and everything that happened with, with his father and um, his, his dad being a, a longtime coach um, at Navy and how he taught him so much about prospects and, and analyzing players. I mean, it, it, it would be incredible because I think Bill has so much – so many stories that have yet to be told that need to be told. But my, my next question for you, E, what is the better dynasty? 
Yeah, this Brady question, Belichick Patriots or Jordan Phil Jackson Bulls. I I don't know. And this this question always annoys the hell out of me because you're looking at two different sports. You're looking at two different athletes. You're looking at two Fair. different two different like time frames. It's just it's always why I get so freaking annoyed when people bring up who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron, LeBron. James. Hello. Yeah. Different eras, people, completely different players. So this one, I could say, I can, t- I can tell you right now, off the top of my head, yes, when it comes to professional sports, these are the top two professional sports dynasties, especially when you consider the championships won. The fact that MJ went three straight, took a Twice. year off, came back, lost yeah. in the playoffs that year, then won another three straight, so basically winning six titles in eight seasons. Yes, 6-0 and when he does make it to the NBA Finals. But then you look at what, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in a sport where that kind of longevity, even just from a player alone, is unheard of, especially when it comes to, like, not being a kicker. Okay, Adam Vinatieri, you're 72. You're still kicking. That's great. But Tom Brady, 20 years, same coach. The fact that they can get over some of the stupid crap that happens probably behind the scenes and the drama and the arguments and all that stuff. But to win three out of a four to start out – and then all of the ridiculous, ridiculously successful seasons, just win after win after win, AFC championship after AFC championship, and then you win three out of five to wrap it up. Like, that's, that's totally different. It's, it's like the longevity. That's the only real difference I see. And I know, like, with MJ, like, that was an era in the NBA that was just loaded with star power. And, yeah, great players can carry you further in basketball and it's not quite the full team game that it is in like the NFL or if you want to talk like old Yankees or something in Major League Baseball. But, but the two three-peats, it's, it's up there, obviously, between the Bulls and the Patriots as the greatest dynasty in pro sports. I, I'm going 1A, 1B. And, yeah, it sounds dumb. I can't just pick a side. Boo-hoo. Cry about it. But I think they're both damn good. But it's like apples to oranges. Yeah, there's a lot in common. But it's still an apple and it's still an orange. I'm going Brady Belichick because they did it for two decades. Yeah. Um, they won more. I mean, obviously, you're looking at the big picture of rings. Uh, yes, they each won six, but Brady and, and Bill did it for two whole decades. Um, That's true. They, they, they won, the, I mean, AFC East title, 17 of them. Uh, like they were in the AFC championship game for like eight straight years or whatever it was, and like yeah. 13 of 18. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's, it is a sustained dominance, and yes. they just win, win, and win. Now, if you added one more Super Bowl in that, Seals, it might have been like a no-brainer for me considering the longevity and a seventh title. But then, it, to me, the argument is, okay, 6-0 and oh, or 6-3. Uh, and three. So, had they beaten the Eagles in that Super Bowl or maybe one of the two Super Bowls they played against the Giants, you know what I mean? I just feel like there's a lot more moving parts when it comes to, to football and to get that many players to all buy in and be a part of the same product. Um, I mean – I, I just – I think it's Brady and Bill. I think they're yeah. the, the better dynasty. Obviously, that's not taking anything away from no. Jordan and Phil because, obviously, it's Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, greatest of all time, and Phil Jackson is the greatest of all time coaches. That's, yeah, you that, do, that's, yeah. that's my opinion on it. Yep, you have, you have the GOAT when it comes to coaching. Yes. And the GOAT – and, yes, the most important position in that respective sport – but then I also think about MJ. If he doesn't jump ship for like the minor leagues there and the run of in the middle of – They would have won eight straight. Yes, this is surely like six straight titles. And, yeah, it could have been the, uh, two more titles in between that. Yes. Uh, so that's a debate that will probably never, ever – 
be solved. That's just the nature of those, those debates. Um, I don't know if you saw these videos of Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson recently, but the two old dudes are in hella good shape right now. Ridiculous. According to some reports out there, these two want to go for round three. Are you game for that, Emerson? All right, so I'm, th- I'm looking at the history here. We got Holyfield winning the first fight between the two in November of 96, and Tyson was disqualified after biting both of Holyfield's, Holyfield's <laughs> ears in their June 97 rematch. So now a third fight between the two could possibly happen. Both men in their 50s. It would be a charity exhibition bout. They have both been posting workout videos right now. And the age, I forget the age. One is like 50, 57 right, so, for Holyfield, and okay. Tyson is 53. Okay, so these guys still frighten the hell out of me. And it popped a question in my head popped up the other day. Would you take $50,000 to take one punch from Mike Tyson? And I said, hell no, dude. I'd still be drinking out of a straw. I'd be eating out of a straw the rest of my life. You would need to give me like a million bucks. And even then, I probably wouldn't know what a million bucks is. So there's some pros and cons to this in my eyes. All right, so the pro, they obviously both want to do it. That is great. Usually you come to these things like we see in other boxing matches and other charity events like this. You, just, you build up all the hoopla, but it's really only one side who's in. Yeah. The, the problem is, listen, they are 53. They are 57. How safe is it really going to be to have these guys pounding each other into the mat? And we have our producer, Fred, who's a big boxing guy. Maybe he can add more to this. Feel free to chime in, Fred. I'd love to listen to your voice. But I don't know about them punching each other and making their brain even mush at this. I just don't think it's that safe. Sorry to be that guy, but no, it, no. but they do look damn good for their age. That's another they look pro. Great. They look fantastic. And that, I mean, Mike Tyson a few years ago did not look that great. I mean, he was getting blasted for his having twins basically inside his, his stomach. Um, but <laughs> they both, they both look great. They both want to do it. Um, it would be for charity. It would not be a full match. It would be like three or four rounds because let's be real. These guys, would not last that long Mm-mm. and my biggest con to all of this is that i don't want to see an old man die in front of me on live that, television that's what, that's what i'm saying dude like, i really i really do not want to see that i mean who's to say that evander's going to get out with both of his ears this time yeah yeah who knows man hopefully um hopefully he's not too hungry at the time mike tyson the, the other cr- thing is, is that i don't think this adds anything to their resumes because of how long they've been away from from the ring it, it, obviously if it's for charity and it's raising money i think that's something everyone can get on board with i'm just so you're talking like legacy you're talking like legacy here right so you're talking like legacy like i mean there's, yeah. there's there's nothing there's nothing they can they can do for their no, legacy they're, like they're, they're it, it, what it, their legacy is what they is is what it is yes like no one's gonna say all right this is definitely gonna help your legacy you definitely gotta no, do it mike but i don't think that's gonna be it. the purpose of this it's gonna be a charity event and raising money and so if they want to do it that's great but if one of them gets hit in the head i'm not gonna lie i'm probably gonna be turning away because yeah, yeah no one taking a lot of hits. I get it. I get it. And, and an ugly fight's just not going to prove anything uh, no. of worth for either one. But it would be it would be fun to see. Speaking of charity, how does eight hundred thousand dollars sound to you know go to a football game and then have dinner with Tom Brady? That sounds great. If uh, someone would like to start a GoFundMe and raise eight hundred thousand dollars for me, 
I don't know even if I had $800,000, if that is the damn guy I would pick. What, what is happening here? Why, why would someone do this? Can you explain this to me? Yes, this is a part of the all-in challenge. We've been seeing it. It's this virtual fundraiser that's raised millions and millions of dollars, I think a few days ago when we were talking about Robert Kraft putting his Super Bowl 51 oh, ring right. okay. on. It, it, it was at like $38 million raised from celebrities and athletes alike where you bid on these experiences with these athletes and celebrities. And this one, Tom Brady put this out there that he would, you know, give you his jersey. He would fly you to a game and then you'd get to have jer uh, another game-worn jersey and cleats as, as well as dinner. And somebody won it for $800,000. So like eight, zero, but zero. He's like a YouTube zero, guy. Zero, he's, like zero. A, he's like a YouTube star. Yeah, almost a million dollars. and. Uh, what Fred was telling us was that he's this YouTube guy, this YouTube yes. star who makes up to a million dollars a month on YouTube. So he spends almost an entire uh, month's salary on this. Do you know how he, what, what he does specifically? No, I, I have no idea. I literally can't remember. If you know get, it, tell get, me. Get ready for this, okay? okay. Um, get ready to feel really, really dumb and sad about yourself. Oh, a 25-year-old guy old? by the name of Logan 30 acre, which at first I was like, wait, does this this Logan Paul dude? And I was like, okay, it's a different. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy's a loser. <laughs> so he, Emerson, he makes puppet show skits based on Super Mario Bros. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie, when we're done here, I'm going to his YouTube channel, I wanna watch some of this, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I didn't expect that, because I knew that there are kids out there who like review toys, okay, I'm, I'm not super into the toy thing anymore. But holy hell, yeah, if you want to take little puppets and do Super Mario skits. Okay, so, also, so can, we, can we like just grab some socks of ours, glue some eyes to it, and start our own channel here? Do you, do you feel sad about your life knowing, knowing that you can make millions of dollars off of that? And yet yeah. here we are. <laughs> yes, yes, I do kind of wish I went the direction of making sock puppets and forming skits and making skits and putting them on YouTube about something. I don't really know about video yeah. games and Mario. So it's, it's wild what sells these days. I swear, TikTok celebrities, I'm like, oh God, how I, they figure out how to get this many followers and make I don't get it, man. Off of well, it's like things like this. My niece down in Florida is like nine or 10. That's all she's on is TikTok the whole time. So all these people, there are millions of followers, all these like little kids everywhere. And they're all these dumb dances. There is no pandemic in the world that could be. You're just mad because you dance. can't dance. Let's no, no, I can definitely dance. I just find it like super annoying. And it's like, also, I, I'm kind of doing other stuff throughout the day. I don't want to. To each their own. To each their own. Like, sure. Uh, we're, hey, we're listen. You look old by saying this. I don't, I do not care. I am 36. <laughs> I'm old. But I, but also at the same time, if I could dance on TikTok and make an ass you ton would. of money, I would. Oh, for sure. You'd you. sell out hard. That, oh, right, so, oh, my God. I would sell out for money any day. Of course you would. So get this. His spending limit was purportedly from TMZ. Take it as you will. $2 million was his budget. Obviously, he got a deal at $800,000. And, and according to TMZ, he has paid it off in full already. Of course. Absolutely, he did. So if I could pay $800,000 to have dinner with anybody, it certainly wouldn't be Tom Brady because that kind of goes back to a little bit of what you're saying about the, the Dynasty and a docuseries. That I don't know if Tom Brady would be that interesting, although he was pretty good with Howard Stern. If I paid $800,000 to have dinner, to hang out with somebody for a day, a celebrity, an athlete, I'd go Dwayne Johnson. Oh, my no God. The Rock was on my list. 
No question about it. That yes. he, he is on there and I, I would need to hang out with him on one of his cheat days. I absolutely love that guy. Like it's, it's incredible. Dude, I vote for is. him for president right now. If he <laughs> runs for president, if he stops lifting and making 50 movies a year and decides to run for president, dude, you've got my vote. I don't care what your policies are. I just want to stare at you because you're so jacked and you eat delicious food and your cheat days are a dream of mine. Free pizzas, donuts, hot dogs, you name it. The guy goes all in. He's just such an incredibly awesome, funny, talented person. It's And he likes tequila. Fun. He loves tequila. Yes, he does. And I would definitely do that. Another couple names that I put down on, on my list, um, uh, someone else who was in a movie with him, Jack Black, another hilarious oh, person. Yes. Jack Black would be great. Um, and then, I, I, so I got a few musicians in here. Okay. Missy, Missy Elliott, because I absolutely... Ooh adore her and i've i've loved her since i was a little kid that's the milkshake but, song right that's Khalees, but good try all right same thing <laughs> then the other would be a, a duo and i'm only saying this because i watched their instagram yeah. live story where they went head to head with all of their famous uh songs throughout their careers okay t-pain and lil john yeah, yeah. Gee, you're you're much more in into that like music side of things. Like, if it's not like really classic rock, I just if I don't hear it from you or like Mike Eamon, then I don't really know what all the kids are listening to like these days. So nice I don't know. Plug if, for our boy Mike Eamon, yeah. who uh, does the finesse segment on After Hours presented by People's United Bank. Yeah, incredible so like me, work there. So me, like the old man, I'd be like, yeah, I'd hang out with like Hootie. You know, from like Hootie and the Blowfish or something like that. That's Another, not a bad choice. No, it's not. It's cool. It's, it's super cool. But I would also, I'd have like Brad Pitt on there. And if I had any like, if I had any females in the celebrity world, give me like a Jennifer Lawrence. Give me like an Emma Stone. I would take Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe, another tandem, just because they're okay. Yeah. Well, I yeah, you're. Them. I mean, you're the former collegiate soccer star, so yeah, you're oh, gonna God. go with some with some with some soccer studs for sure. Oh yeah, me and my one semester under my belt. <laughs> Hey, go Lynn Knights, baby. Let's go. Shout out to you down there. D2 oh, powerhouse in Boca Raton. Florida. What up, what up, what up? All right, so let's wrap this up okay. with quarantine time. So recently, Emerson decided to light a candle. Turns out it was the wrong candle to light. Oh, my God. I've been lighting this candle for like weeks, right? And I usually am smart enough, and I didn't know how, how expensive it was, but usually I blow it out before she gets home. Because sometimes I will light too many candles at once and it becomes too potent of a smell. And God forbid our apartment smells great. But it does. I guess it I've been smell inside your good. apartment and I can confirm that it does smell That's great. That's right. I, I forgot. I, w I was not here. You were, uh, you were dropping off your dogs. We, uh, we love little lady. So, yes, she gets home last night. I'm sitting there. I'm working. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm trying to put bread on the table for my wife and my dog. <laughs> and she picks up this candle and she looks at me right in the eye and she goes, This is an expensive candle. What is an expensive you candle? You shouldn't be lighting this candle, like having it lit for as long as you do. I said, and I said exactly what you told me before we started recording this podcast. I said, what the hell are you supposed to do with the candle? You're supposed to light it. Am I right? No, you're right. But what makes an expensive candle? Probably that it costs money. No, More money like, than what, what would that, it, are we talking $30? Are I we don't talking know. She is $50? like this candle fiend. And then of course my mom finds out that my wife loves candles so much. So it's like every two weeks I go downstairs after the damn doorbell rings, which an unexpected doorbell ring just immediately strikes anger inside me. Who the hell is here at my house and ringing my doorbell? My mom is sending us box of candles like 
every two weeks because Meg loves candles so much. Like that's not mom, a bad present to give for sure. Dude, we have like thousands of candles. candles. We have thousands of candles. I don't even need them. I you're do not need them. Candles. I'm seriously might put them out on my stoop here and just have the sign like take one. They're absolutely free. I mean, you just you know want to be a bougie chick and you know light all your candles and get all with yourself. It does bring me like a soothing feeling and woosah when I could sit here and I'm working and I know that what I'm smelling is some kind of made up scent in a fairy tale land that I would love to live in once I get out of this quarantine. <laughs> I, you know, smelling good and feeling good in this quarantine, man. I'll take it, even if that means lighting a $50 yeah. candle. Absolutely. Sometimes I don't even shower, but I'll light a candle so you can't really tell. <laughs> that's disgusting. It is disgusting, but that's how I roll, baby. Let's go. And with that, we're going to wrap it up here on After Hours, the podcast presented by People's United Bank. We will see you guys right here next week, Friday, same time, same place. From my good friend, Emerson Lazia, I am Stephen Godwin. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.